Amen and amen. I came in uh, today to preach and the boxes were like, you couldn't see me, so we had to separate. I felt like Moses parting the waters. Isn't this fantastic? God is so good, you guys. Amen. This is so fun. So I've been thinking, um, you know, lately I just want to encourage you. I was driving uh, yesterday with my wife. Um, We were shopping which is a miracle of God to begin with. So um, one of the things about COVID that I'm so thankful for is my wife doesn't like shopping anymore. This is awesome. This is the best news. I'm sorry, honey, but it's like, oh, we don't want, you don't want to go shopping? Oh, that's too bad, honey. What should we do? Anyway, I'm just, I'm, but what I was thankful for, I want to tell you that story for a reason. Really pray for our premier. We are blessed in Alberta in that we are the freest of all the provinces in Canada right now. And, and I know there's tremendous pressure and there's all kinds of angles and thoughts as to what should be happening in Alberta. But I am just so grateful that we can go forward and uh, live life together, that we can gather as a church. Uh, this is a miracle of God. So I just want you to pray for our premier. Amen? And continue to pray for freedom and pray for God to to bring his hope and his kingdom into this world in a further degree, even in the other provinces. So I've been thinking about um, what to preach on today. And there's a great teaching that I turn to in my life, and it's found in Proverbs chapter 3. I've used it multiple times in my life. It's one of the scriptures that I've come to over and over and over again. Whenever I'm facing a decision or whenever I'm in the midst of a crisis in my life, I will turn to this chapter and ask God, what is it you want me to be doing and how do you want me to be living at this time? Because how many of you know that anything in this world that can be shaken is being shaken right now? And there's a shake, shake, shake going on. It ain't shake and bake, but it could get that bad. Who knows? You know what I'm saying? Like we're, we're shaking and we're going through crisis a little bit. And uh, you know, how many of you know you all respond a little bit different in crisis? Everybody, you know, you have, you have fight or you have flight. And Odonna, it's good to see you here, by the way. God bless you all the way from BC. Coming into the freedom of Alberta, God bless you as you're here. Amen. That was a little side note. How many of you have, you have fight or, or, or fight, flight? You kind of have these responses. And so I was thinking about, um, I was reading insurance um, forms. I know it's a very interesting thing. These are actual responses that were written uh, on insurance quotes or not quotes, sorry, when accidents happen, and this was people trying to describe in the midst of their crisis, in the midst of their accident, what happened. Is that, is that fair? So these are actually written out, and these have been posted online. You can read them yourself. So here's what somebody, they're, they're shaken, they're going through a hard time, this difficulty. Here's a few of the quotes. The car in front of me hit the pedestrian, but he got up, so I hit him again. And it's not funny, but it is funny. So go ahead and laugh because this is from a long time ago. The person's okay, I found out. (laughs) In the attempt to kill a fly, I drove into a telephone pole. Here we go, here we go. This is one, you got to really think this one through. I was on my way to the doctor with rear-end trouble when my universal joint gave way and caused me to have an accident. I know. The invisible car came out of nowhere, struck my car, and then vanished. This one's harsh. 
The guy was all over the road. I had to swerve a number of times, but then I hit him. I had been driving for 40 years when I fell asleep at the wheel and had an accident. It's not bad. This one I've lived through, and I understand this one. The indirect cause of the accident was a little guy in a small car with a big mouth. (laughs) That's very funny. Oh, this one's sad. The pedestrian ran for the pavement, but I got him. And then lastly, my favorite of all of them, I pulled away from the side of the road, glanced over at my mother-in-law, and proceeded off the cliff. (laughs) People respond differently in crisis. Are you following what I'm saying? You know, I've been asking a crazy question lately, and it'll make sense in a couple seconds when I pray, but uh, I've been asking this question, you know, God, what are you doing? But, you know, what if God in his infinite patience is trying to get us to stop trying to take control and to start releasing control to him even more? Maybe that's what God is starting to cause in our lives and in our hearts. Proverbs 3 sets us up and tells us what to do when we don't know what to do. And uh, I'm going to read that scripture, and then we're going to talk about the bookends that surround that scripture Because believe it or not, God actually tells us how to live and what to do when we don't know what to do. The scripture says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. You know, I think about that, and I think about what that means, and that's what we want to talk about today and what God has for us. Let's pray together. So, Father God, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. Lord, we need to hear from you, your your Holy Spirit, today. We need your direction. We need your strength. We need your life. We need your wisdom, Lord. Thank you, God, that even in critical crisis moments of our lives, we can ask you what we should be doing and how we should be living We thank you for the truth that you've laid out in this word, and I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will come now and teach us. Open the eyes of our heart. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear, hearts to receive and to respond to you today, to take some great truths away from today that we can live from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen? That was weak. Amen? Amen. Yeah, come on, come on. I want to know what God thinks of how I should live. So trust in the Lord with all your heart. There's a story of what does that mean? What is that talking about? Um, there's a story of uh, some botanists and some scientists who were in the Swiss Alps and they, they were searching for a rare flower because they believe it may have had some uh, key properties that would help them in, in creating some new uh, disease-fighting uh, antidotes and different things. And they found one of the flowers, but it was kind of between two cliffs and it was down a, you know, quite a ways and they couldn't get to it. So this little boy was standing there while they were debating how they were going to get the flower, and they came up with a brilliant idea. If we tie a rope around you, little boy, we'll pay you, and we'll lower you down if you retrieve that flower for us. And so the little boy thinks about it, and he says, just a minute. And he goes away, and he comes back several minutes later, and he says, I'll do it, but I want this guy to hold the rope. And who he had with him was his father. 
And, uh, you know, that's what he, that was his deal. He said, I'll do that precarious, dangerous thing. I'll head into that crisis moment for you, but I don't want you guys holding the rope. I want somebody that I trust holding the rope. And this is kind of what this scripture is telling us to do, church. Amen? Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. In my personal life, Betty and I will turn to this scripture when we're facing challenging decisions. And, and what we do is we'll lay out kind of all the options. We'll say, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Well, Lord, here's my understanding. I see option one, option two, option three, option four. I don't know which way to go, but I'm going to trust you, Lord. And, 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 then, and then I'm going to walk toward the one that you want me to walk toward. And here's the crazy thing. Whenever you're facing a major decision in your life, you know, one of the things is we get into paralysis of analysis, don't we? We're kind of like, well, if I go this way, I'll go that way. And what if I go this way? If I go this way, what if this happens? And you start going down this road of freaking out. But actually, this is not what God is saying. He's saying, lay them all out, and then I have some other things for you to do. You lay out all the options, and then you proceed, and what we proceed with is kind of the bookends of this scripture. Do you know that in this scripture, God tells you how to live whenever you're facing crisis, whenever you're facing decisions. He says, this is how you are to live. And what surrounds this verse is actually just as important as this verse. And here's the bookends. Here's what we do in the meantime where we're waiting for God to work out the solutions and answer us. Here's the first part of the bookend, the first side of the bookend. It's first thing says this, be teachable. Be teachable. It says, my son, do not forget my teachings, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life for many years and bring you prosperity. You know, one of the greatest attributes that a human being can possess is teachability. What can I learn from this moment? What can I learn about what's going on? What do I do when I don't know what to do? You see, I've been asking a strange question. And uh, I think a lot of you have been asking it, but I think it's a great question. And it's this, God, what are you doing in this time of crisis? God, what are you up to? You know, and then you ask kind of a subsequent question, which is, God... What are you wanting me to learn? Because how many know this is an incredible teaching moment? And this is the third question. It's a hard question. This one's tough. This is when it gets, maybe by yourself you want to ask this question. Here it is. How am I responding and reacting to what is happening in me and around me? Because that's actually where God wants us to learn. That's actually what God wants us to do. He wants us to take a moment of reflection, a moment of pause, and say, God, I am freaking out right now. That may be your case. That may be what you're going through. Or, God, I am terrified. Or, or maybe you're, you're that crazy one that says, God, this is so exciting. What's next, Papa? You know, I don't know. I don't know which one you are. You're, you're, you're somewhere in there. And, and if you can have those moments of clarity with God, if you could ask God what he's up to in your life and in this world, and then, and then let him peer into your soul. Let him reveal to you things that are happening. You can't, you know what? God isn't wanting to condemn you or judge you for those thoughts. He just wants you to be free. And so it's okay to say, God, I'm freaking out. 
I am terrified of what's happening in the world right now. But I don't know what to do. That's okay. God says, good, you're being honest. You know, there's a guy named Oswald Chambers, and he said, when God reveals things in your life, he doesn't ask you to put them right. What he asks you to do is accept the light. That's the starting point. See, teachability is just being honest about where you're at. And when when we're going through crisis, things get pulled out of our lives. Things are being revealed in your life and in my life right now and in the world right now. And, you know, there are people that are moving to control everything, some of them with good motives, some of them with bad motives. You know, people are doing all kinds, people are freaking out. And and, and, uh, you understand there's this whole mentality. What's God doing? It's a question of teachability. You see, God is still on the throne, church. You know, the thing that we forget sometimes, God is not caught off guard by COVID. He's not freaking out. Oh, COVID, who knew? God knew. God knew before the world began we'd be in this moment. He's still seated on the throne of heaven. And he has something to speak to us. I was thinking about this guy And you may have heard of him, and if you haven't, then I'm going to tell you a little bit about him. His name is John Muir, and I think we have a picture of John. He's called John of the Mountains, or the father of national parks, and uh, he's the guy that came up with the quote, the mountains are calling, and I must go. And uh, so John Muir, he was kind of in the late 1800s he lived, and he was really kind of the guy that really brought about conservation and thoughts about, uh, you know, keeping national parks and creating national parks. But this guy lived an epic life. So he writes this story, and you can read all the stories John Muir wrote. He, He wrote this story called A Windstorm in the Forest. You see, we're in a storm right now. And, and all of us respond or react differently during a storm, but this is how John Muir reacted. So he's, I'm just going to read portions of this story. You can go online and look it up yourself. It's called The Windstorm in the Force. So on a beautiful exhilarating storms I enjoyed in the Sierras occurred on December of 1874. Instead of camping out, as I usually do, when the storm began to sound, I lost no time in pushing into the woods to enjoy it. So he goes forward and he's telling the story about the winds are howling and blowing and the rain's coming down and, and he's climbing up this mountain. He's going through the forest and, and all these things. He's soaking wet. And as he goes on, he says to him, he gets to the top of the nearest peak. So he's now on top of a mountain and, and this is what he says. It occurs to me that it would be a fine thing to climb one of the trees and obtain a wider outlook to get my ear close to the music of the topmost needles. So he selects this grove of trees with 100-foot Douglas firs in it, and he figures, well, if, if they're going down, if the storm gets that bad, they're all going to go down together, so it doesn't really matter, so I'm going to climb this tree. So he climbs this 100-foot uh, Douglas fir tree, and it's swaying at 20 to 30 degrees at the top branches where he's at. He's hanging on to the branch as this thing is moving. Are you following the picture with me? The storm's raging. He says, colossal spires 200 feet in height waved like supple goldenrods chanting and bowing low as if in worship. Nature was holding a high festival and every fiber of the most vivid giants thrilled with glad excitement. He says, I kept my perch for hours 
frequently closing my eyes to enjoy the music itself and the feast on the quiet, delicious fragrance that were streaming past me. The fragrance of the woods was less marked than it was producing warm uh, during the warm rain. It was really vivid then. When so many balsamic buds and leaves are steeped like a tea. In the midst of a storm, <laughs> John of the mountains climbs the highest tree. And he sits there for hours while the trees are bowing in worship and swaying and he takes in the festival. You know, I think this is a picture of what it means to trust God. And, and I don't know about you, I'm not that guy that's going to go up into the, I might go into the mountains, but I'd probably hide in a cave. But then to climb to the highest peak and then to get on top of the highest tree and to experience this incredible experience, what a moment. You see, we need to be teachable. What's God showing you? What's God revealing to you in this hour? There's something for you to understand and to see. Well, the scripture goes on. It doesn't just tell us what to do when you don't know what to do. The first thing that God would say is be teachable, be honest, go to school with me. And here's the second thing, be loving and faithful. He says, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablets of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. You know, one of the things that uh, we're to do is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And Jesus said, the love that you're to have for God, when you look at other loves, they, it's going to be like you hate those other people because your love for God is so strong. When I was a new believer, I had a struggle with that because I said, Lord, I, I don't hate my parents. I don't hate people I love. Like, help me to understand this. And, and, and that's when I really came up with a definition of love that helped make sense of that scripture. And love means this. Love means to fulfill the obligations that arise from relationships. See, the truth is, church, you're to love every single person you come in contact with. But you have differing obligations to those people. Your obligation to your spouse is different than to the waitress in the restaurant. But you're still to love her. Even when your fries are cold for the love. Really? Yes. Yes. You're still to love. Fulfill the obligations. You know, guys, what a time. What a time for the church. What a time for those who have the kingdom of God in them. For those who have the love of God in them. What a time for us to be alive to demonstrate love to this world. This world that is flailing and everything is shaking and everything's going on. The storm is raging. And God is saying, will you love people? What do you do when you don't know what to do? Love. <laughs> love. Fulfill the obligations. Your neighbors, and the, you guys, look at you have loved these children. Incredible, this generous gift that you've given. In the midst of the storm, you're still loving. Amen? It's beautiful. You see, be loving, be faithful. You know, I love this. The word faithfulness means this. That which can be relied upon and that which is stable. What a definition of your life. In the midst of everything shaking, can you imagine being called faithful? <laughs> you know, the Bible says many men claim to have unfailing love, but a faithful man who can find. 
to be characterized by love and faithfulness. I'm going to be stable when everything else is shaking around me. I'm going to maintain true to the character of God when everything else is, is flailing in my life and around me. Maintaining love and faithfulness. You know, God's faithfulness is different than our faithfulness. You know, when you're faithful, the Bible says in this text, when you're faithful and loving, God will favor you. And how many know, church, that God's favor is different than the world's favor? Because <laughs> if, if you're, listen to me, here's what this verse is saying. If you will behave when you don't know what to do, if you will act lovingly and faithfully, I will place my favor upon you. This is a good, you know what you're doing? You're putting God in debt. (laughs) You're putting God in debt to you. And God is one that you want, you know, to have hold some debt. You know what I'm saying? That if God has to pay me back for me being loving and faithful, that's a good thing. I was reading this story, and it's a true story about an elderly couple, they were traveling in a storm, can you believe it or not, in another storm, and they're traveling in a storm, and they get to this uh, small little town, and the hotels are all filled. So they go to one hotel, and the, and the elderly couple, the man asks the, uh, the, uh, the person at the desk, the lobby, he says, is there any room here? And the clerk says to her, him, I'm sorry, sir, we're completely filled up, and so are all the other hotels in our town. And then the clerk pauses for a moment, and he says, but if you will allow me, I, I, I will give you my room. I'm just going to go and clean it. I don't want to put a, a, a nice couple like you out right now. So if you let me clean my room and set it up for you, you can have my room today. The couple thinks about it and they say, well, that's very generous of you. Thank you. And they do. They take the man's room. In the morning, he gets up and the, uh, the elderly man says to the young clerk, you're the kind of man that should be managing one of the best hotels in the United States. And someday I will build you that hotel. The clerk smiled politely and wished them well. Didn't think any more of it. Two years later, he receives a letter. And the letter is a classified mail. Sorry, it's not classified, but it's certified for him. And the letter gets there with a note describing the situation. Two years ago, you took us in, you gave us your room, and I promised you that I would build you a hotel. Inside that note was a ticket first-class ticket to fly to New York City. So the young clerk flies to New York City. He's picked up at the airport, and he's driven to Fifth Avenue and 34th Street, where stood a magnificent new building. And as he got out of the car, the man said, that is the hotel that I have built for you to manage. That man was William Waldorf Astor, and the hotel was the significant Waldorf Astoria. And the young clerk, George C. Bolt, became its first manager. Do you understand that when you are loving and you are faithful, church, even in the midst of crisis, God is indebted to you. And when God pays his debt, how do you know favor from God is a pretty cool thing? Amen? So this is the bookend. What do I do? What do I do? What do I do when I don't know what to do? Well, be, lo- be teachable, be loving and faithful. But there's a whole other bookend on the other side of this verse, and this is how it starts. It says, be humble. Be humble. Do not let, be wise in your own eyes and hear the Lord and shun, fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Humble yourself before the Lord. 
show awe and respect. You know, we're running around and we're running around and we're trying to discern what's going on and we're trying to control what's going on. We're trying to freak out a little bit and, and God's trying to reveal stuff in us and he's telling us, guys, why don't you be humble and why don't you fear the Lord? And fear of the Lord is not talking about cowering from God. It's talking about respecting him. It's talking about giving him his rightful place. You know, there's an incredible word in the Bible. It's called gentleness. And uh, gentleness doesn't sound like a really great word, but it's one of the words that Jesus used to describe himself. He says, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And the word gentle is actually a word that was used in war to describe a war horse. And a gentle war horse could be controlled by its riders just with his knees and would go into battle in the midst of crisis. It would not flee. It would go into the crisis. And gentleness is talking about power in submission. This is what gentleness is. And so one of these descriptors, Jesus is saying to the church right now, guys, be humble, be gentle. Let me be able to move you and guide you even in the midst of bombs going off and all kinds of stuff happening all around you. You know, even though you're going into the valley of the shadow of death, fear no evil for I am with you. I am with you. Boom, God's not freaking out. Pow, God's not freaking out. He actually says, I'll create a banqueting table for you in the presence of your enemies. Be gentle. Hallelujah. Humble in this hour. I love Mark Twain. Uh, he said this, one of my favorite quotes. He said, most people are bothered by those scriptures which they cannot understand. But for me, I've always been noticed that the passages of scripture which trouble me most are the ones I do understand. <laughs> in other words, I'm not worried about the ones I don't get because the ones I get, ooh, there's enough there already for me to have to fear the Lord and be humble and be gentle. And so this is what God is calling the church to be. So the second part of the bookend, to be humble, to be gentle. And then it goes on and says this, be generous. When everything around you is shaking, when you don't know what to do, this is what you're to do. Be generous. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruit of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over like new wine. You see, there's an economy, church, listen to me, there's an economy that is not of this world. There's an economy that God wants us to enter into, and that's the kingdom economy. And God sets principles in the kingdom economy, and he says, if you will live by these principles, you're, you're, you're going to be living in a different kingdom, even in the area of finances. Because I'm going to tell you, in the midst of crisis, one of the things that we often do when we try to control things is we say, well, I'm going to take control of my money, and I'm going to do my own thing. I'm buying all the toilet paper I can find. I'm going to fill my garage with toilet paper. Ah! And God's like, you know, there's a better way. <laughs> there's a better way. You know, one of the reasons I love tithing, and the Bible talks about the tithe, the first tenth of our income is to go to the, to the work of the Lord, the house of God. And you say, well, that's kind of convenient. You're talking about money and you're the pastor. Well, I don't see what you give or don't give. I'm just telling you a principle. And the principle of the tithe, you know, for me, I, I love it simply because it, it's my declaration of dependence upon God and independence from this world. 
And, and, and so I, you know, I love giving to God because it, it pays the greatest dividends. And trust me, my wife and I would tell you, we have tried some crazy things when it comes to investing. Some of them have worked. Some of them have really not worked at all. But the one thing that works every time is when we're generous and we give in the house of God to the things of God. Amen? You know, there's stories about very, very, very wealthy people who have figured out this, this process. Let me tell you a couple of them. J.L. Kraft, Kraft Cheese, if you like cheese, he's the man. He, uh, he gave 25% of his income to different charities and Christian charities. He said, the only investment I've ever made that has paid consistently increasing dividends is the money I've given to the Lord. J.D. Rockefeller, who was one of the wealthiest, probably still to this day, is probably one of the wealthiest human beings ever to live. His, his wealth was astounding. At one point in the late 1800s and early 1900s, he himself personally was worth 2.5% of the gross domestic product of the United States of America. 2.5%. He, he would be uh, hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars in wealth. He owned Standard Oil. And this was his statement. He said, I never would have been able to tithe on my first million dollars I've ever made if I did not tithe on my first salary, which was $1.50 per week. He was a giver. He was generous. A.J. Letourneau was a very famous uh, man in the, uh, right before the Second World War. He himself and his company actually built uh, earth-moving machines. And at one point, just before the Second World War and during the Second World War, 70% of the earth-moving machines in America were built by A.J. Letourneau. And A.J. Letourneau, uh, you know, Movers of Mountains and, and Men was the book he wrote. But he gave 90% of his enormous wealth to charity and lived on 10%. And he used to say things like, you know, I just keep shoveling it out to God, but the problem is God shovels it back on top of me and he has a bigger shovel. You think, well, that's pragmatic and not really because these guys are out of our thinking and out of our league. These are multi-multi-millionaires. But the point that they were making, and they might argue that with you because they would say, like Rockefeller said, I tithed on my first salary, which was a buck fifty, before I gave on my first million. Generous hearts, generous people. I was thinking about this story of uh, this man, he uh, has a heart attack and he goes to the hospital and um, he's told, their family's told, you can't really excite him very much, he's, he's had this terrible heart attack. You have to kind of keep him calm and keep, keep him settled down. And so while they're in the hospital, his uncle passes away, who's a very wealthy man, and leaves him a multi-million dollar inheritance. And so the family's like, how can we tell him? If we tell him this, it could kill him. So they come up with this concept. We're going to ask our pastor to tell him. So the pastor's thinking, well, how do I tell this man that he's just inherited multi-millions of dollars? And and so he kind of, you know, goes into the hospital room and he's sharing a little bit. And he says, then he decides to ask him a question. He says, if, if, you, if you got given millions of dollars, what would you do? And the man thought for a moment and he said, oh. well, he says, Pastor, for sure I would give half of it to the church. 
And just then and there, the pastor dropped dead from shock. <laughs> Be generous. Amen? Like I said earlier, so incredible to think that this church family and this community gave over 700 shoeboxes uh, filled. And if you do the math, I think we had to pay $35 for each one of the shoeboxes plus some of the content. And I mean, guys, generous. You're generous. You're generous. God is saying that's how you live in times like these. The last part of the text says this, be willing and obedient. It says, my son, my daughter, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resist his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son that he delights in. This goes back to being teachable again. It's kind of the bookend closing again. Saying, how do we live? What do we do when we don't know what to do? Well, we found out where to be teachable, and we found out where to be loving and faithful, and then we found out where to be humble, and then we found out that we're to be, uh, you know, fear the Lord and, and be generous that way. And then here we are, right back to be obedient. I'm going to tell you a little story. Uh, Kathy Fraser, who many of you know, and Doug Fraser, Doug's one of our elders, Kathy often has dreams and different thoughts will come to her from God. So she was praying about what's going on in the world today. And she was praying specifically about the U.S. election. And she was asking the question that we asked at the beginning, which is, God, what are you doing? What's going on, Lord? And so in her dream, let me explain a little bit to you. In her dream, she's in a vehicle, and vehicles speak of, you know, moving forward and moving in ministry. And, and she's the passenger, and her husband, Doug, is the driver. And in her dreams, Doug always represents Jesus. So when she sees Doug in her dream, she knows it represents Jesus. And she's the passenger in the dream. She's driving along. And she says, I, I, I feel this intense internal pressure. I have to go to the bathroom. I have to, and in, in, in dreams, when you feel like you have to urinate, apparently what it means is it, you're responding to pressure. And so there's pressure, that's pressure, that's pressure. And, and by the way, during their drive, they're driving, a tornado is right next to them. And it's tearing up the ground and all this dirt is flailing around. And, and she's kind of freaking and she's like, okay, I, I just want to get off the road. I feel this pressure. I just want to get home. I want to be safe, okay? And then she looks over at Doug who's driving and she's like, I have to go to the bathroom. And he, he, she looks at him and he says, I thirst. I'm thirsty. In other words, God is stirring things up and he's saying, you know what I love about what's happening right now in the world is it's revealing hearts. It's revealing lives. It's showing my people and showing the world how little they trust me. And it's causing them either to turn toward me or to turn away from me. And God is saying, what you guys hate right now, I'm going to use it to love, to reveal something to you so that you will turn your heart back toward me. How many of you know in this hour, the world needs to turn toward God? We need God on our side right now. It's not a time to try to control things outside of his control, our control, I should say. It's a time to submit to him. It's a time to say, God, you are for us and not against us. 
God, help us in this hour and in this moment. What do we do when we don't know what to do? Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make our paths straight. Amen? Amen. Well, we're going to close a little bit differently today. We're going to watch a song. Just listen to this song in the words of trusting the Lord. And then we're going to have two people come and pray. We're going to have Joel Hemshoot and Namara are going to come and pray about what we've learned today. And that's how we'll close the service. But let's listen to this word right now.
Church, here's the key. You can't be teachable. You can't be loving and faithful. You can't be humble. You can't be generous without God. But when he is in your heart, you invite him in to live together with you in this life. He brings his kingdom into this world from heaven, the reality of the presence of God. And with that strength, in you and surrounding you, you can live out these truths. Amen? So I'm going to just pray before our people come to pray. And Peter will gather them as they do that. But if you're here today, and let's just bow our heads before the Lord. If you're here today and you're saying, I need to have a relationship with this God. I need to surrender to him. I need to be gentle to be power in submission, to bring my power under God's presence and power. All of us have had to make a decision to do that at one time or another in our lives, to say, God, I need your help. Would you come into my life? Would you forgive me for trying to live without you? And would you help me to live with you and for you? If that's you here today, Just raise your hand and give me a wave. Say, Pastor, that's me. Would you pray together with me? I want to give God my life, give God my heart. I want to live with him, and I want to live for him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You know, he's as close as the mention of his name. And you can do that in the privacy of your home. You can do that here cry out to God today. Amen. Let's invite those that are coming to pray now, Peter, and why don't you help us to close the service. Dear Lord, uh, I just pray that you help us to be more teachable, Lord, uh, that we'll just be more like children, um, that we'll just uh, have a love for you like a child, just give you control over our lives. Sounds so simple, Lord, but we struggle with that, and I just pray that we'll just 
Give up the wheel, Lord. Let you drive our lives whichever direction you'd have us go, Lord, that we'll, uh, we'll just be more in tune with you and whatever you would have us do, Lord, um, and that we'll just have such a love for this world, Lord, that uh, we'll just be faithful to what your calling is, and that's to go out into all the world and preach the gospel, Lord, mm-hmm. to, to tell other people the good news, yeah. and that we won't be fearful, um, Lord, that we will just will have a, such a love for the people that it will overcome the fear mm-hmm. that we're having, Lord, to be vulnerable, Lord, that there won't be pride in the way or, or any fear, that we'll just love those that need to hear the good gospel, Lord, the, mm-hmm. the, the good news, and that uh, we will just always follow you no matter what comes our way, that we'll stand on your rock in our lives, Lord, that, that we will just be faithful that we will um will always be with you you'll always be with us yes lord. and you never leave us or abandon us lord and we're mm-hmm. just so thankful for that thank you for all that you do in our lives yes father thank you lord lord we just come before you right now in praise god and worship lord because you are our Lord and Savior in God, mm. God, and we are so thankful right now, God. Mm. We thank you because we are your people here on earth right now. And we pray, Lord, that you will teach us how to live your kingdom right now, God. And how to live your kingdom in this world as it is in heaven, Lord. Mm. We are having a great opportunity right now as the church in the world right now to just start living your kingdom here, God, and not being attached to the things of this world. The things in this world are going to pass, and they're passing quickly, Lord. But your kingdom stays forever, Lord. So we pray right now, God. We pray that you will teach us how to be humble, God. Humble means that we acknowledge that everything comes from you, God, that we are nothing, that we depend on you, and we are here, God, because of your grace, Lord. So I pray, God, like your word says, that you resist the pride, but you give grace to the humble, Lord. Mm. So I pray, Lord, that you will give us grace right now, that you will teach us to be humble, that we will have Jesus' mind and Jesus' heart in this world right now, God, that we will live here today, God, like Jesus lived in the world when he was here, Lord. Teach us, teach us as your church, God, to be generous, God, to not be afraid of lack, God, because your kingdom is abundant. Your Mm. kingdom has no lack, God. We should not be afraid of lack. We should not be afraid of anything, God. Mm. Teach us, God, to be fearful, God, of you and not of this world, God. Mm. Give us the holy fear of the Lord, God, in this moment right now. May we not fear the things of this world that are going to pass, Lord, but we live in abundant, generous, loving kingdom, Lord. We also pray, God, for obedience, Lord that we will learn as your church to be obedient right now, God. We have to learn this, Lord. We have to learn how to live differently in this world. The church, God, has as a, is in a time right now of change. 
And we pray, God, that you will give us the heart for change, that you will give us a teachable heart of change, God, that we will live today on earth as it is in heaven right yeah. now, God, that we will start living in a different way as your church will shine in this world, God, that we will be happy people in this world, God, joyful, because yeah. we have no fear, we have no lack, we have everything we need, God, and yeah. we have an amazing God. So thank you for this opportunity, God, and may we be generous to others that don't know this truth, that don't know you, Jesus. And we are so thankful for your presence with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, church. Amen. amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap today. Amen. God is so good. And uh, I'm so, so grateful for all of you that are here today. Those of you that are online, we're so thankful that we can gather together. We're blessed to be able to do that. Make sure that you sign up for some of the care groups or for the women's ministry or make sure you're here for the annual meeting. And next week, God willing, we're going to have our worship uh, back on stage. And so, you know, it's just so great to be gathered together to be able to do this. And so God bless you. Go get a coffee, hang out with some people, do an elbow bump thing, whatever. Have a great day, church family. Amen? Amen.